Remember When, the feature Remember When, first appeared in the Chattanooga Times Free Press? It may seem ages ago, but it was early 2020, just before the onset of the pandemic in this area. Mark Kennedy is the reporter and columnist at the Times Free Press who writes the stories about the photos, the snapshots in time from days gone by, that appear in Remember When. Mark, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. How did you come up with the idea for Remember When? It goes back to January of 2020. I had interviewed a fellow named Sam Hall, who was an old ad shop guy who had transitioned to work for EPB. And he came in to talk to me about a website that he had put together, and he called it Deep Zoom Chattanooga. He had come into possession of some old photographs of downtown Chattanooga, and they were taken on old cameras that had large format film, which he determined when he put it on in a digitized format, you could zoom into it. You could literally take a photograph that was shot of the entire downtown of Chattanooga, and you could zoom in to read a license plate. And there was so much information in these negatives that when he put them online, he realized that people could spend hours at a time diving into them, doing a deep zoom. And so that's why he called it Deep Zoom Chattanooga. So I had interviewed Sam about that. At the same time, he told me about his hobby as an amateur photographer. Back in his high school days, when he was at Red Bank High School back in the 1980s, he had had the foresight, you might even call it genius, to understand that years from then, people would not only want to see pictures of themselves, but would want to see context. Let me give you an example of that. Not just taking a picture of three friends sitting at a cafeteria table, but taking a wide shot of the entire cafeteria. Because as a 50-year-old, you would want that memory. You would want to be able to see that wide shot image and put yourself back in that place. So Sam went around taking documentary photos of places, not faces, I call it, which was really just a genius move because now all the people that went to high school back in the 80s are devouring these photographs because they can see the whole school. They can see the gymnasium and the cafeteria. So Sam had this sort of instinctive idea about how to document history and this love for historical photos. At about the same time, at the Times Free Press, we were talking about how to capitalize on what we saw as being an increased interest in baby boomers about nostalgia, especially mid-century, 20th century images, things like that. And we thought if we could somehow marry Sam's expertise with photography, with our knowledge of the news and skills and news photographs, that we could collaborate on something that might be a little bit special. So about that time, we started taking old newspaper photographs that we had as part of either our archive or an archive that's actually maintained there at UTC. And we would take one of these images and we would try to do some research on it and place it in the newspaper and write a little article about it. It's harder than it sounds because in a lot of cases, all we had was the print. So we'd have this photograph out of context. We didn't know in some cases what year it was taken or where it was taken or why it was taken. And we would have to reconstruct the context. I would have to go in our electronic archives, which are sort of proprietary that we can get to in a way the public can't, and try to chase down some of these stories. So that's the way it got started in 2020. So now two and a half years into it, we've done maybe 125 of them so far. And you launched this right before the pandemic. How did that affect how did that affect the response from readers? How did that affect how you and Sam pursued this? I don't know if it's directly COVID related, but I think readers were more introspective and in the mood to reminisce about maybe happier times. Maybe their thoughts were more likely to drift back to their childhood and the Chattanooga they remembered as kids. So as that interest peaked, and then Sam and I could do our work without having to 
have any COVID risk. You know, what I was doing was online was archival. What he was doing was manipulating the photographs and placing them online. So all that could be done in the bubble of COVID quarantine. So it worked out well from that standpoint too. So it was kind of a perfect storm of those things lining up to be able for us to succeed at that. And we found out almost instantly that people had a real appetite for this. I think the very first photo we used was this really nostalgic looking piece. It was like seven or eight high school kids sitting on the counter at a concession stand with a big Coca-Cola sign in the back. So at that point, I hadn't refined my research skills and didn't know how to start to identify who these kids were, but we knew it was such a mid-century image that we wanted to use it. So we simply put it in the newspaper and said, does anybody know who these people are? With a little tease to it. There wasn't really even an article with it. Well, when it comes to baby boomers, that's the newspaper's go zone. That's, you know, our readers are of that generation. We have young readers and old readers, but they tend to cluster a little bit more in the higher age brackets. So those people who it turns out were teenagers in the 1950s were actually in their 80s. And we got a call from a lady who said, not only do I know who those people are, I'm one of them. And I can confirm to you that these are the seven names and they're all still alive. And so we had a great follow-up story to use, but that taught us the power of these old images that we could simply put something in the paper and then get feedback from readers. As time went on, we got better at finding out the facts on our own and publishing them along with the photographs, but we still did a couple of those along the way. And every time we would throw a picture out, sometimes it would be a float from an old parade and we'd say, who is this? And we'd get responses. I remember doing one about some Boy Scouts on a raft from the 1950s. And somebody wrote us and said, I'm one of those kids. I'm at the upper left-hand corner of that picture. So it began to be sort of a game with readers in the incidences when we did those. And it just gave us more energy for what we were doing. Plus we know from our internal metrics that these stories are very well read. Talk about one or two that surprised you. Well, I think the thing that surprised me most is there's when I do research on these photos, and again, we start with just the image, many times I'm just surprised by some of the ancillary information that we find out that has nothing really to do with the photo. I'll give you a good example of that. We ran a photo a couple of weeks ago of the Missionary Ridge Tunnels, which are the tunnels that go from downtown into Brainerd. Most people that commute in town at some point go through those tunnels. It's right by the Macaulay School. Some people even call them the Macaulay Tunnels. I didn't know, but found out that one section of those, one two-lane two, went in in 1913, and it wasn't until 1956 that the other two lanes were installed. The photo we had was of that construction in 1956 of that second two lane tube through Missionary Ridge. But the interesting thing is that I saw a sign on the photograph or one of the photographs that we had in the paper that said, welcome to Chattanooga, America's safest city. I thought, what in the heck does that mean? So I did some more research and did some searching of our archives. It turns out in the 1940s, Chattanooga had the designation as having the fewest motor vehicle fatalities of any city its size in the country, which surprises me a little bit about because of the topography of the land, you think there would be a fair number of, but I guess we were just speed limit kind of people. I'm not sure why that was, but that was just a, a little fact that sort of stunned me that came from a detail from researching one of these photographs. How do you guard yourselves against repeating yourselves in some way? 
Yeah, that's a good question. The archive I'm working from now has about, I think, 800 photographs, and they're mostly newspaper photographs. There is a much larger potential universe of these photos that's there at UTC that we haven't gone through yet that were donated to the university by the newspaper years ago, literally thousands of them. As long as my memory is intact and I don't accidentally do the same photo twice, then I guess we're okay. If I ever hand it off, I'll have to hand it off with a list of everything we've done, I guess, so we don't backtrack. But if you think of the universe being any picture that's been taken in the last 70 years in Chattanooga, that's a pretty big universe of photos. And it's a touchstone not only for the people who grew up here and remember a lot of those years whenever they were born and grew up here, but also for those of us who are more recent arrivals, myself included. Yes. That's funny you should mention that because I've lived here since 1982, but I'm not a native of Chattanooga. So a lot of these Photos are from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, which were before I moved here. Also, I think people assume because my name is associated with this, that I've had like a deep interest in local history, which is just not the case. I mean, I've been a reporter here covering the city for 40 years, but I'm not one of those people who has has had an innate interest in history. So it's been a real education for me. And every time I dip into these things, I learn something new about the city. I'll give you an example. I did a piece about a steakhouse that was downtown. It was actually, if you know where the Pickle Barrel restaurant is downtown, it was directly across the street from there. That area now is a parking lot. But it was about this restaurant that was there during the 30s and 40s. It closed in 1949. Interestingly, it was said to be the first 24-7 restaurant in Chattanooga. So it was open seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And it also was the first restaurant that featured carryout. It was the first place you could go and have curb service. So, but the interesting thing I found out is when this property ceased to be a restaurant and was sold, that block actually was owned by the state of Georgia. And this went back into the 19th century. At some point, the state legislature had allowed the state of Georgia to purchase land in the middle of the city of Chattanooga for a train terminal because a railway from Atlanta had been built here. So the city of Georgia actually owned this 11 acres of property in downtown Chattanooga. And evidently for much of the 20th century, there were court fights with the city trying to get this land back and Georgia not wanting to give it up. And that was a whole area that I had no idea about until I started reaching this closed restaurant. If people want to check out Remember When, when does it appear in the Times Free Press? And if people want to check it out anytime online, where can they go? Well, it publishes on Saturdays. So it's part of the legacy edition of the Times Free Press that you see on our website. And it's also just an item on our website. From the other side of the table, Sam's website is called ChattanoogaHistory.com. And an archive of these articles is published there. So if you want to see them all at a glance in one place, you can go to ChattanoogaHistory.com. If you want to see the latest example of it, you can go to TimesFreePress.com. All right, Mark. Thanks so much. Thank you, Ray. Thanks for having me.